132nd sign. I have recorded earlier that at the time of the earthquake of April 4th, 1905, we had moved to our garden with all of our family members and selected a parcel of our land sufficient to accommodate 5,000 people as our sleeping place. We had two tents up and screened them with a tent wall around. Even then there was danger from thieves, as the area was wooded and in some of the villages nearby there are renowned thieves who have been repeatedly convicted. On one occasion I saw in my dream at night that I was keeping watch and after I had gone a few steps I encountered someone who said that angels are on the watch ahead, meaning that there is no need for you to keep watch as the angels are guarding your camping ground. Then I received a revelation. The house filled with our love is in a boat of peace. A few days later, it so happened that a well-known thief who belonged to one of the surrounding villages crept into our garden to steal. His name was Bishan Singh. It was the latter part of the night when he snuck into our garden with that intent. But not finding an opportunity, he sat down in an onion field. He uprooted a large quantity of onions and piled them up. He was then spotted by someone. He attempted to run away. He was of very strong build, and it would not have been possible even for ten people to hold him down had it not been that he was already held down by divine prophecy. As he ran, his foot was caught in a hole. Even then he recovered, but in the meantime he was surrounded by people. So Sardar Bishan Singh was captured despite his utmost struggle and was convicted by the court without delay. Some time later, a large poisonous snake appeared in our residential house in the garden where we used to spend our day. The snake was very long, but it also received its punishment as the thief had. In this way, we were furnished with immediate proof of the protection by the angels. Footnote start. The witnesses to this prophecy include Mufti Muhammad Sadiq, Malvi Muhammad Ali M.A., and the rest of the members of the Jamaat who were with me in the garden. Footnote end. 133rd sign. I do not know English at all, yet God Almighty has by way of granting me his bounty revealed to me certain prophecies in English. For instance, the following were recorded as far back as 25 years ago in Brahina Ahmadiyya on pages 480, 481, 483, 484, and 522. Footnote start. These revelations appear in Rahani Khazain, Volume 1, pages 571, 572, 575, 576, and 623, published in 2008. Footnote end. I love you. I am with you. Yes, I am happy. Life of pain. I shall help you. I can what I will do. We can what we will do. God is coming by his army. He is with you to kill enemy. The day shall come when God shall help you. Glory be to this Lord God, maker of earth and heaven. Footnote start. In Hakikatul Wahi, this phrase was scribed as glory be to the Lord. The citation in the text above follows the original wording as given in Brahim Ahmadiyya part 4, Rohani Khazan, volume 1, page 623, published in 2008, footnote end. Footnote start. As these revelations are in a foreign tongue and divine revelations are swift, there may possibly be a slight variation in the delivery of some words. It has also been observed that sometimes God is not bound by human idiom or follows an archaic idiom, and sometimes do not even follow the rules of grammar.
There are several such instances in the Holy Quran. For instance, the verse, Certainly these two are magicians. Surah Taha, chapter 20, verse 64, in the Holy Quran. This is the prophecy that the one God who has no partner made in English, despite the fact that I am not an English-speaking person, and am totally unaware of this language. But it was the will of God to publish his promises about the future in all the renowned languages of this country. Thus in this prophecy God reveals to me, saying that, I shall efface your present condition of pain and suffering, and I shall help you, and I shall come to you with an army and destroy the enemy. A large part of this prophecy has already been fulfilled, and God Almighty has opened the door to every kind of bounty upon me, and thousands of human beings have entered into bed with me, heart and soul. Who knew at the time of this prophecy as to when so much divine help would arrive? As such, it is a marvelous prophecy indeed. Its very diction is a sign in its own right, namely the English language, and its meaning is a sign too, for they foretell the future. 134th sign. There is a detailed description of this sign on page 523 of Rahin Ahmadiyya. Footnote start. The signs appear in Rahani Khazan, volume 1, page 624, published in 2008. Footnote end. The sum and substance of it is that once I received the revelation, 20 and 1 rupees are coming. So this revelation too was communicated to the Aryas, whose names have been mentioned above a number of times. With the revelation I was given to understand that the money would arrive the same day. Thus one Wazir Singh, a patient, came and gave me one rupee that day. Then it occurred to me that perhaps the remaining twenty rupees would come by post. Therefore a reliable person was sent to the post office who reported that the postal clerk said he had only received five rupees from Dera Ghazi Khan, accompanied by a postcard. I was very perplexed by this news, for I had already informed that Yaz that I would receive 21 rupees on that day. They knew one rupee had already come. I was so distressed by the postal clerk's report that cannot be described in words, since the news that only five rupees had been received from Dera Ghazi Khan had made me lose all hope of receiving additional money. There were indications that the Aryas who were privy to the earlier report were ecstatic that they were finally given a chance to prove me wrong that day. I was in extreme distress. Then suddenly I received a revelation. Twenty and one have arrived. There is no doubt in this. I communicated this revelation to the Aryas only to cause even greater laughter for a government employee who was the sub-postmaster, had publicly announced that only five rupees had come. After this, one from among those Ariyas happened to visit the post office. The postal clerk on inquiry or on his own told him, in fact, 20 rupees have been received. I had just inadvertently blurted out that only five rupees had been received. Accompanying it, there was also a postcard from Munshi Lahi Baksh, accountant. This sum had arrived on September 6, 1883, exactly the day I received the revelation. In commemoration of this auspicious day, and to make the Adiyaz bear witness to it, sweets worth one rupee was distributed, which was fetched by an Adiyah, and it was given to the Adiyaz and others so that if not otherwise, they should remember the occasion by eating sweets. 135th sign. 
Once on account of diabetes, from which I have suffered for the last twenty years, I was quite fearful about my eyesight, for in case of such ailments, one is in danger of developing epiphora. It was then that God Almighty, in His grace and kindness, reassured, consoled, and comforted me through the revelation, which is as follows. Meaning that blessing was extended to three organs, eyes, and two others, which have not been specified. I swear in the name of God Almighty that I am about 70 years old and my eyesight even in this age is as good as it was when I was 15 or 20 years old. This is the very blessing which was promised in the revelation of God Almighty. 136th sign. On account of mental fatigue and migraines, I had become so weak that I was afraid I would not be able to continue writing anymore. Such was my weakness that I felt no energy in my body. In this condition I received a revelation, meaning that the girls of youth are restored to you. Thereafter, within a few days, I began to feel my lost powers were being restored, and I soon became so strong that I can write two chapters of a new book every day with my own hand. Not only writing, but also the capacity to reflect and think that are necessary for such creative writing was fully restored. Of course, I suffer from two ailments, one relating to the upper part of my body and the other to the lower one. In the upper part, I suffer from migraine, and in the lower, I suffer from frequent urge to pass water. I have suffered from these two ailments ever since I published my claim that I had been appointed by God. I even supplicated for relief from these ailments, but received a negative reply. I was also made to understand that it had been decreed from the beginning that the promised Messiah would descend, clad in two yellow sheets, with his hands resting on the shoulders of two angels. These two illnesses are thus the same, two yellow sheets which are applicable to my physical condition. All prophets are in agreement that the interpretation of a yellow sheet is an ailment. The two yellow sheets symbolize two ailments which relate to two parts of the body. God, too, has disclosed to me that the yellow sheets stand for two ailments, and the word of God was bound to be fulfilled. It should be kept in mind that from among the hallmarks of the promised Messiah, the following are on record. 1. He will descend with two yellow sheets. 2. He would descend resting his hands on the shoulders of two angels. 3. Disbelievers will die from his breath. He will appear as if emerging after just having bathed it, and drops of water will appear to be trickling down from his head like pearls. 5. He will perform the circuit of the Kaaba opposite the Dajjal. 6. He will break the cross. 7. He will kill the swine. 8. He will take a wife and have children. 9. He will be the one who slays the Dajjal. 10. The promised Messiah will not be killed but shall die a natural death and will be interned in the tomb of the Holy Prophet. May peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. And these are the perfect ten. Hence I have explained regarding the two yellow sheets that they are the two ailments that were destined from the very first day to afflict the body of the promised Messiah as a hallmark so that his otherwise unusually good health might also be a sign. And the two angels symbolize the two supports from the unseen upon which depends the incontrovertibility of his claim. 
1. God-given knowledge regarding incontrovertible evidence based on reason and record that shall be vouchsafed to him without any effort and exertion on his part. Secondly, the incontrovertible argument through signs which will be sent down by God without any human intervention. Furthermore, his descent with his hands resting on the shoulders of two angels indicates that the means of his progress will become accessible from the unseen and will help him accomplish his task and his work will advance with their support. Earlier on, I have narrated a dream in which I saw that I was given a sword in my hand whose handle was in my hand, but whose point was in heaven. I was wielding it on both sides, and hundreds of people were killed by the attack in either side. During the dream itself, a righteous person interpreting the dream said that it was the sort of incontrovertible argument, that its attack on the right side stands for the incontrovertible argument, which would be through the means of signs, and on the left side it symbolizes the incontrovertible argument that will be based on reason and record. And both kinds of incontrovertible argument would become manifest without human effort or artifice. Killing the disbelievers with his breath means that the disbelievers will perish because of the promised Messiah's breath, that is, his attention. The appearance of the promised Messiah as if he has just come out of the bath after taking a bath with drops of bath water quite like pearls dripping from his head means that through his repeated repentance and supplication the promised Messiah will keep refreshing his relationship with God as if he bathes all the time and the pure drops of the pure bath drip from his head like pearls not that he has something supernatural in him contrary to human nature. Certainly not, certainly not, have people not already witnessed the dire consequences of a supernatural phenomenon attributed to Isa ibn Maryam, which would turn tens of millions of people into the fuel of hellfire. Do you still cherish this spectacle that contrary to normal human practice, Isa should descend from heaven, angels accompanying him, and kill people with his breath, and drops should drip from his body like pearls? In short, my interpretation of the dripping of pearls like drops from the promised Messiah's body is correct. The Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, saw gold bangles on his wrists. Did it only mean gold bangles? Similarly, the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, saw cows being slaughtered. Did it only mean cows? No, not at all. Rather, they meant something quite different. Similarly, for the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, to see the promised Messiah as if he comes just after having his bath, and the drops of the bath trickle down from his head like pearls, means that the latter would seek forgiveness and turn to God much, and his contact with God would always remain refreshed as if he were bathing constantly, and the pure drops of pure penitence were dripping from his head like beads of pearls, in another hadith too, turning to God is likened to taking a bath. For instance, referring to the beauties of prayer, the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, has said, If there is a running stream in front of the door of one's home, and he bathes in that stream five times a day, can there remain any dirt on his body? The companions of the Holy Prophet, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, submitted, No. At that he said, Similar is the case of the one who offers prayer five times a day, which comprehends repentance, seeking forgiveness, supplication, 
humility, submission, and praising and glorifying God. On such a person, too, no dirt of sinfulness can possibly remain, as if he bathes five times a day. It is evident from this hadith that the promised Messiah taking his bath also means the same thing. Otherwise, what is particularly meritorious about a physical bath? For that matter, the Hindus also take a bath in the morning every day, and drops of water after the bath and drip too. What a pity! The literalists drag every spiritual phenomenon into a physical one, and like the Jews, they are unaware of spiritual secrets and verities. The fact that both the promised Messiah and the Dajjal will perform circuits of the Kaaba prove that this does not mean that they will physically perform circuits of the Kaaba, for in that case we would have to concede that the Dajjal will succeed in entering the Kaaba, or that he will become a Muslim. Both of these assertions go against the clear purport of uh, Hadith, sayings of the Holy Prophet this hadith has to be interpreted, and the interpretation which God has made manifest to me is that a group of people will emerge in the latter days who will be called the Dajjal. This group will be a bitter enemy of Islam, and in order to completely tear down the edifice of Islam, it will go circuiting around the Kaaba, which is the center of Islam, like a thief. As against this, the promised Messiah will also perform the circuit of the center of Islam, which the Kaaba symbolizes. The purpose of the promised Messiah in performing the circuit of the Kaaba would be to apprehend the thief named Jal and to safeguard the center of Islam from his designs. We know that a thief goes around the houses at night, and so does a watchman. But while the purpose of the thief is to rob and plunder a household, the purpose of the watchman is to apprehend the thief and to have him securely locked behind bars so that people are safe from his mischief. It is to this battle that the Ahadith refers. It says that in the latter days, the thief known as Dajjal will try to his utmost to demolish the structure of Islam. While the promised Messiah will carry his supplications to heaven in support of Islam, and all the angels will join him so that he will be victorious in the final battle. Footnote start. In Surah Al-Fatiha, the opening chapter of the Holy Quran, God Almighty teaches us that the Dajjal, who is being warned about is none other than the misguided Christian clerics of the latter days who have strayed from the path of Hazrat Isa al-Islam. It is also because God teaches us this very prayer in the noble chapter that we beseech God lest we be like such Jews who were the recipients of wrath on account of disobeying and opposing Isa al-Islam, nor be like such Christians who abandoned the teaching of Isa al-Islam, made him into God and adopted a lie which is greater than all lies, and in support of which they resorted to extreme deceit and sham. This is why in heaven they have been designated the Dajjal. Had someone else been the Dajjal, then refuge from him must have been sought in this words, meaning that, meaning that, nor the Dajjal, should have been used in place of, nor of those who have gone astray. Events, too, have borne out these meanings, because the final mischief which was warned against has come to pass in this age, which is the mischief of exaggeration of the Trinity. Footnote and He will neither get tired nor dejected, nor will he slacken in his efforts, but will try his utmost to catch the thief. When his supplications reach their climax, God will see how his heart has melted in his love for Islam. Heaven will do what the earth cannot, and the victory that cannot be achieved by man will be won at the hand of angels.
In the latter days when this Messiah appears, great calamities shall descend, terrible earthquakes shall visit, and peace shall depart from the whole world. These calamities shall strike on account of that Messiah's supplication. Then after these signs he shall be victorious. These indeed are the angels resting on whose shoulders, figuratively speaking, the descent of the promised Messiah has been prophesied. Who can dare imagine today that human efforts could remove this latter-day trouble fomented by the Dajjal, the mischief of which refers to the machinations of the Christian clerics who are ever engaged in promoting misguidance? No, not at all. On the contrary, the God of the heavens will dispel it himself. He shall strike like lightning, emerge forth like a hurricane, and shake the world like a furious wind when the time of his wrath arrives. But God is independent. The fire of the stone of providence requires the striking of human supplications. But alas, how difficult is the task. Alas, how difficult it is indeed. We have to offer a sacrifice. Until we give that sacrifice, the breaking of the cross shall not occur. No prophet has ever succeeded until such sacrifice was given by him. It is this sacrifice which the following noble words of the Holy Quran refers Surah Ibrahim, chapter 14, verse 16 of the Holy Quran, meaning that the prophets sought victory by putting themselves through the fires of spiritual exertion. What happened then was that every obstinate tyrant met destruction. It is to this fact that the following couplet refers, Until the heart of a man of God was filled with anguish, no people were ever disgraced by God. Also, it is a grave mistake to believe that the breaking the cross means that the crosses made of wood or gold and silver shall be broken. Such crosses have always been broken in Islamic wars. Rather, it means that the promised Messiah will demolish the doctrine of crucifixion, after which the doctrine of crucifixion will not thrive in the world and will never be restored up to the day of judgment. It will not be broken by human hand. Instead, God, who is Almighty, shall annihilate this mischief in the same way He permitted it to emerge. His eye watches everyone, and every truthful one and liar falls within His sight. He will not give this honor to anyone else but the Messiah. Made with His hand shall be bestowed this honor. There is no one who can disgrace the one who is honored by God. That Messiah has been raised for a great task. Therefore, that task will be accomplished at his hand. His rise will cause the decline of the cross. The lifespan of the doctrine of the cross shall end with his advent, and people will grow disillusioned by the doctrine of the cross on their own. This is what is currently happening in Europe. As is obvious, the Christian cause is being run by paid clergymen, while enlightened people are fast turning away from this doctrine. In short, the wind against the doctrine of crucifixion has begun to blow across Europe, and it is gathering strength and speed by the day. These indeed are the signs of the promised Messiah's advent. Those two angels that were destined to descend with the promised Messiah are working against the doctrine of crucifixion. The world is moving from darkness to light, and the time is close at hand when the magic cast by the Dajjal will be palpably broken, for its time is over. The prophecy that he, the promised Messiah, will kill the swine means that he will overwhelm a wretched and foul-mouthed enemy, and that such an enemy 
shall be destroyed on account of the promised Messiah's prayer. Furthermore, the prophecy that the promised Messiah will have children signifies that God Almighty shall raise from among his progeny, the one who will be the, his successor and will support the religion of Islam, as has been foretold in some of my prophecies. The prophecy that he will kill the Dajjal means that with his advent, the mischief of Dajjal will start to decline and shall continue to subside on its own, and the hearts of the wise will revert towards Tawheed, oneness of God. Let it be clear that the word Dajjal has been interpreted in two ways. First, is that Dajjal signifies a group which supports falsehood and works with cunning and deceit. Second is that Dajjal is the name of Satan, who is the father of all falsehood and corruption. Hence, killing it means that the satanic mischief shall be eradicated so effectively that it will never rise again, up to doomsday, as if Satan will be killed in this last battle. And to interpret that the prophecy that after his demise, the promised Messiah will be interned in the grave of the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, to mean that, God forbid, the grave of the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, will be reopened, is the error of the literalists. Such concepts are replete with insolence and disrespect. Rather, it means that the promised Messiah will be so close to the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, nearness of station that, after his death, he will achieve the rank of nearness to the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and his soul shall meet the soul of the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, as if the two were in the same grave. This alone is the true meaning of this prophecy. If someone wants to interpret it differently, it is up to him. Spiritual people know that after death, physical proximity has no meaning. On the contrary, it means that everyone who has spiritual nearness to the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, his soul is brought close to the soul of the Holy Prophet, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, as Allah the Almighty said, so enter you among my chosen servants, and enter you my garden. Surah Al-Fajr, chapter 89, verse 30 to 31 of the Holy Quran. Moreover, the prophecy that he will not be killed points to the fact that the killing of Khatamul Khulafa, the seal of the Khulafa, is tantamount to defiling Islam. For the same reason the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, was saved from being killed.